Oh, wow. Are you ready? If you are listening to this, hold on to your seats. This is Tom Kradza. And on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, Nick and I sit down with Greg Foss and Jesse Berger, who is the author of Magic Internet Money, a book about Bitcoin. A few weeks ago, Greg reached out and said it'd be a great idea to have Jesse on the podcast. We absolutely agreed immediately when we found out the book that he had written was called Magic Internet Money, a book about Bitcoin. Of course, we wanted to talk to him and we said, hey, Greg, why don't you come on the podcast as well? So it's a great combination because Jesse breaks out his story, his journey, how he got into the book, some of the principles of Bitcoin that I really think he does a wonderful job in his book explaining. And with Greg, we get into insurance on the credit market and the bond market. Very few people understand credit and insurance on the credit markets the way Greg does and have his ability to explain it the way he does. I, I know he tweets about this, so I really wanted to get him to explain it on this episode, which he did. And the reason that I absolutely love that, it gives us a framework in which to look at the global monetary system that I was never using before. It absolutely blew my mind when we went through this. So Jesse goes into the best principles from his book, awesome conversation. Greg talks about insurance. We actually talk about energy and that kind of thing and Bitcoin being priced in energy and perhaps the end of the petrodollar system in our future at some point. So really just thoroughly enjoyed this uh, conversation. Nick turned into a bond, bond trader right in the middle of the conversation when he challenges Greg on something. So just really enjoyed the conversation. I love these talks. Thank you so much. Much to both these guys, Jesse, I'm sure he'll be back on uh, the show again. Uh, you'll want to get a copy of his book, Magic Internet Money, a book about Bitcoin. And Greg, that's this is his third time on the podcast. So he's becoming a resident expert on the Your Life, Your Term show. We really thank both of these guys. And if you are listening to this, we just released an app called the Your Life, Your Terms app. You can get the app by going to ylytapp.com. That's ylytapp.com. And on this app, you can get episodes of the podcast. You can get our YouTube videos. You can get some of the blog posts that we put out. It's all centralized on an app for you now. And if you happen to be a Rockstar Inner Circle member on the app, you can log in and get access to all your content. So the members only Inner Circle podcast that we host for Rockstar Inner Circle members is available on there. So you can log in and get that kind of stuff. The monthly 12-page newsletter that we've been putting out for 12 years, talking about things like global monetary policy and interest rates and debts and real estate and things like hard money. You can get access to all those things, success stories from local Canadians and what they're doing to live life on their terms. We share those uh, to members. That's available all to you by logging into the app. If you're a member, you're going to get access to that part of the app as well. So you can get the app if you're a member or not a member. It is available at ylytapp.com. So that's www.ylytapp.com. Dot com. We are just releasing this now. I'm sure there's going to be some kinks along the way, which will we'll work out, but you can go ahead and get it at www.ylytapp.com. That's enough with this intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life. Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live with um, my younger brother, Nicholas Carazza. I like saying that lately. Greg Foss. And this, Greg, you're the third time. You're becoming a resident expert on the podcast. We've never too. had any. And this is the fir first time we've had someone on three times, I think. 
I think it's the first time mm-hmm. three times too. So Greg's blazing new trails, and uh, it's because of Greg that we have Jesse Berger, Berger, Jesse Berger, sitting with us here, who wrote a great book, Magic Internet Money, a book about Bitcoin that Greg told us about and got us onto your book, and uh, we're thankful for you guys being here. It's a real pleasure being back a third time. Yeah. I, I will come back as often as you want me, so uh, please <laughs> and, and keep the invites coming. We have some questions. Uh, Greg, we got all sorts of questions for you, but maybe we'll start because Jesse's the new kid on the block here. That way Jesse gets to speak a little bit before Greg takes over. <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> well, between me and Nick and Greg, very little, you know, you're just going to hear us speak. So, yeah, we need to get you your chance. So tell us about why did you write this freaking amazing book? And it is amazing. You've done a great job. First of all, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's great to be here with you guys. I wrote this for the people. I wanted people to have an idea what Bitcoin is and what money is, because especially the question, what is money? You know, I think Robert Breedlove was the one who, who coined the term, what is money is the rabbit you chase down the rabbit hole. And so I felt that I had an answer. And it's not that it's a perfect answer. It's just my answer to that question. What is money? It's an opinion. It's a perspective. And so I wanted to share that with the world because I think it's extremely important that we consider it because I think most people go about their lives and it's just money's in the background, right? It's, we assume that a dollar is a dollar is a dollar. Um, we assume that government knows what it's doing when, when it comes to managing our finances and managing our monetary system. And we should be skeptical of that for good reason. And I think, you know, the cracks are showing more and more every day. And so I wanted to help A, expose their flaws, and then B, provide reason for A, why we need a better system, and B, why Bitcoin is the ideal system. How did you come to that conclusion? Like, was it your, but what were you doing before the book? Like, how does, how does somebody come to this? Because Nick and I came to the same conclusion. It's actually why Rockstar has been born. I was just telling Greg, Rockstar, I was in tech. I don't know if you know this about us. We were both in tech. I was at Oracle and then a company called NetSuite left them to start this business because we looked at real estate as a vehicle to game the money system. We looked at the Bank of Canada and the interest rates and how, what interest rate, uh, sorry, properties had already done for us. And we thought, oh, this is the way to go because you're taking advantage of the crazy rules of the money system right. here and you're just kind of playing the game and maximizing it to your advantage. And then Bitcoin comes along and kind of just adds to all of this and puts it like on steroids. But how do you come to that conclusion that you need to write this book? Is it the past career that you had or, or what were you doing? Yeah, it's, it's very much um, like the accumulation of my past experiences that led me to write this book. So my career began as a bottom of the rung, you know, retail banker at Royal Bank in 2006, in late 2006. And I basically started my career right as the financial crisis hit and took off. And I observed, you know, the U.S. Central Bank come in and go, well, we need to do a $600 billion bailout for the banks. And all of a sudden I'm sitting there scratching my head going, wait a minute, they just, they can just make 600 billion more dollars. How does that work? You know, I, I studied economics in undergrad and they didn't, you know, really, really teach us anything about this. They, they told us that, it, you know, again, money was sort of this assumption in economic theory that the government knows what it's doing. They'll, they know perfectly how to massage and manage the economy. And when I saw that happen, I was sort of scratching my head going, but, but wait, that doesn't make sense. And it started me on a journey of learning about Austrian economics, which is basically a different perspective on looking at economics. You know, what I was taught in school, Keynesian economics is one perspective, but it's not the only one out there. 
but that's what we're predominantly taught is that there's this one view and it works perfectly, but the theory that you learn in school doesn't actually translate into practice. And so once that you know, myth was, was sort of shattered for me, started on this journey and I, I spent years literally working as a scut in the back rooms, you know, just like in between opening bank accounts and doing credit card application for people, I was scouring online, reading different articles on Mises and um, different, you know, uh, I, Peter Schiff, I watch his video blogs religiously and we, you know, we, we don't have to go into his whole history with Bitcoin because that's a whole, a whole can of worms. But his video blogs back then were amazing. They provided awesome, awesome perspective on how economies work and why. And they got me questioning things from that different perspective. And it led me to gold initially because in 2007, that was the best example of sound money out there. And so I became a gold bug early on in 2007 because I was asking about what, what is money. And I thought, oh, I could game the system. If they're just gonna print money, I'll just buy this money that they can't print. And so to me, that seemed like a great idea. Basically, fast forward, I, I worked in uh, wealth management at a company called Macquarie Private Wealth, which is a huge Australian bank that opened up a branch in Canada for a few years. Uh, I then went back, got my MBA. I worked in management consulting. I, I did um, financial services consulting. I had worked on a big project, again, for Royal Bank, where I was evaluating defaulted commercial borrowers. And then after that, I worked for a company called Verde Group, which is a sort of smaller consulting company, but where they specialized in market research and customer experience. And so I managed Sun Life's entire global market outreach program for two years, where they did you know customer service, um, customer experience surveys in Canada, the US, and Asia. And basically, all of those experiences came together as in I started getting involved in the financial markets of you know Bitcoin, and I was involved in you know in Ether and all those other things in 2017 because there was this big hype run or this big this big bull run. But once the dust started to settle, my sound money roots really kicked in and came back to me, and that combined with all the amazing like articles. Sorry, I'm I'm looking only here, but all the amazing articles um, and research and the books that were coming out. Right, like I read the Bitcoin Standard, I read Yan Pritzker's Inventing Bitcoin. Uh, amazing, amazing books. The little Bitcoin book, if you guys haven't read it, is also incredible. Andreas's books, maybe. And, uh, Andreas's book. Like, the, 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 yeah, I forget the titles of There's volume one and two and even three. Yeah, so there's there's all this amazing content that I was consuming and then combining that with my pre-existing knowledge of economics and philosophy. And it led me to the, you know, ultimately I left my job and I thought, okay, I want to be involved in Bitcoin. I want to contribute to the space. I have no idea how, and I won't go into the story just yet of, why or how I, I mean, how I ended up coming to write the book, but basically I decided at one point that I could tell the story of Bitcoin in such a way, or I felt I could tell the story of Bitcoin in such a way that I could help people understand, but I could do it in a way that was approachable and friendly and not intimidating and maybe even a little fun because I'll put my own little fingerprint of my personality on the book and hopefully it would help people just relate to Bitcoin better. It is a totally different book because each page, I, I don't know how to describe it, but each page of the book is almost like one quick subject that you quickly read. You have that beautiful quote that's associated with that page. And I feel like you can open your book and almost just read any page. And I got to tell you, you gave me a problem the other day because I started reading your freaking book and Nick and I are already into Bitcoin. And I was like four pages in and, you know, and I'm like, I got to buy more. You know, just, you know, you know, when you read a little bit more and, and you already know that you need, you want to buy more, but you read something like that and you're like, 
Jesus, what am I waiting for? I need to buy more right now. So I had that moment in your book. So you are, uh, Greg's done that to us. Uh, now you've done that to us. I don't know, Writing I don't... the book reinforced my own conviction in Bitcoin because I'm trying to learn and research as I go, you know, coming at it from this perspective. And as I'm going through and doing these different topics, I'm like, oh yeah, like this really does work that well. And oh yeah, this really does work that well. Sorry, did you yeah. even share the name of the book? I don't think we did. Yes. We oh, did. did. Yeah, oh, we did. sorry. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, we did. So, uh, yeah, cool. Jesse. Well, I, I'll, I'll back that up, uh, Tom, on your comment. It is a beautifully laid out book. I, I described it in another podcast as eloquent in its simplicity. Okay. I like the way you describe it. You can pick up any page, you know, you can pick up the book and move to any page, but the truth is you start from start to finish. It is really, really well done. Jesse, um, as a fellow Canadian, I, on another, this other podcast, I go, my buddy, Jesse Berger. And then I go, well, in fact, I've never met him. So, so, but the truth is we feel like we're, Greg, we uh, you know, you're that type of guy. Everybody, well, you're, you're, you're going to become friends Canada, with everybody Canada's across the country. going to do something really special here, guys, but it all starts with a collection of, uh, not like-minded people necessarily, uh, certainly cut from the same cloth, but the neat thing is that it's a very, very uh, eclectic crew of characters that we have in Canada. It really is, and it's, it's, it's very powerful, and I really want to do something special as a group of Canadians because our kids require it. And, and we can because Bitcoin is that common denominator. We can all agree on Bitcoin. That's right? I call it in the book, a, a agreeable or preferable basis for commerce. No matter what our you know, outlook and differences are in the world, Bitcoin is the one thing we can agree on and we can get business done together on that, even if our interests may diverge a little bit. It's, it's a, a chance for Canada to really punch above its weight in, in, on, on the global stage. Okay. Why? Because we have some natural resources that bless our country that nobody else in the world has. And it's very, very imperative that we get the Albertas of the world to embrace Bitcoin because it could change the future of an entire nation and certainly of a province. Instead, we think short term and we decide to sell them to foreign entities. We like to take our natural resources and try to go to places like China and say, hey, do you guys want to buy them from well, us? Because that's, that's what a market. are we going that's to do all right. That's a market. What it really is most exciting is imagine we're selling our oil, but um, we're flaring natural gas. I mean, that's just dumb, okay? Um, imagine you could actually stabilize an electricity grid by mining Bitcoin, meaning you mine Bitcoin when the grid doesn't need peak power. But when you're at peak rates and you need peaking, you flip off your Bitcoin miners and you power up the grid. You sell power to the grid. So uh, there's so much stuff that Canada is going to be cutting edge on. Uh, but it starts with guys like Jesse, like this book. Uh, you know, I don't need to tell you that I really like this book. Um, it is part of a Bitcoin library. Everybody needs to uh, needs to uh, have a copy of this book. It's funny because I think you need a book like this because if you don't understand what Bitcoin's about, you can't really visualize the future that you're talking about, Greg. Like you almost have to understand how Bitcoin levels the playing field. And then in your book, how you describe, like it makes this socially, it's not acceptable, but this socially agreed upon exchange of value that then allows us all to communicate and exchange value very efficiently. And when that's done globally, I mean, the world lights on fire, I think, in a really positive way. We're, we're all measuring value on the same scale, right? That, that's the important part. And the scale is unchanging, right? The U.S. dollar, the Canadian dollar, th 
as a scale, they're always changing because we don't know what the supply is. We don't know what the interest rate is. It changes from week to week and month to month. With Bitcoin, we know exactly what we're measuring against. We're measuring against 21 million, and that's an extremely important factor because it allows you to accurately determine what something is worth very quickly. So what is so having you said that, because I want to ask Greg a couple more questions here, but when you say that, what is your quick explanation to someone who's new to Bitcoin then? Because lately I've been saying, well, you're going to own, you can own a, you know, directly own a piece of this monetary network. I know you're using some really cool language, but I'm saying, you know, it's a scarce thing and you get to own a piece of this global monetary network. It's almost like the plumbing of the monetary network. You get to own a piece of that thing. Like think how powerful that is. And lately I've been saying it that way. And I don't know if that's a good way to say it or not. It's just been what's coming out of my mouth. How do you, how do you explain it? Well, so that changes from day to day and week to week as well, because Bitcoin is is a complex topic, right? It's it's very hard for someone who's uninitiated to the ideas of money to understand what is Bitcoin, what is is money. Um, so recently, I've been describing it as this global phenomenon, right? It's 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 a bank for the world. It's a money for the world that is that cannot be messed with, that cannot be changed, that cannot be altered. And because it is it is fixed, because it is so useful, and when I say useful, I mean you can take it with you anywhere, you can send it anywhere, no one can stop you. People don't understand that. The value of doing that is is very great. There's a lot of people all around the world. In, in Canada, we take our, again, our system a little bit for granted because it's comfortable, because it's easy. we know that the system has been there, we know we can get our money, we know we can move it around, but that's not the case all over the world. And if you consider money as a global phenomenon, you know, you can really put Bitcoin in perspective. So I've been using that lately, but again, the elevator pitch, it, it kind of changes, but it's always based on the same principles. So as an engineer, I'm just going to jump in. I'm, I'm going to stick with this, the, the aha f uh, moment for me. It's digital energy. Okay. If you have not listened to Michael Saylor yet, who is again, a rocket scientist and uses the first and the, the laws of thermodynamics, which is the first law of thermodynamics is the conservation of energy. And if you can think of Bitcoin as being digital energy, and in fact, the, and and the fact is that energy allowed humans to rise to the to where we are today, then you'll realize it is the purest form of monetary energy out there. It to me as an engineer that resonates with me. I can see why other people might say, okay, the guy's a quack, but reality is thermodynamics run the world and uh, conservation of energy. So, so it is digital energy. So what Greg is saying kind of comes back to the reason I wrote my book, because when you say to, uh, you know, anyone, well, you know, money is thermo thermodynamic energy, that just flies over people's <laughs> heads, right? Like that's fair enough. You know, it's, it's, it's not, it's a tough pill to swallow. So I wrote the book specifically to warm people into the topic of money because we're not thinking about it that often and then go down the different rabbit holes associated with it so that I'm sort of very gently welcoming you into this crazy world. And, you know, see, sort of I'm being your Sherpa and just sort of holding your hand and guiding you as we go through it. See, I'm, I'm a different type of person, right? So Tom's all, and, and look, I've, I'm, I'm pro-Bitcoin. I'm a believer, invested, put a bunch of savings in it, and, and, and it's gone well for me, obviously, in the last uh, 10, 12 months as we've been doing it. But I sit here and I listen to you guys. And I'm like, okay, I hear rah-rah Bitcoin, and I, I, I believe in all this <laughs> stuff. Here we and, go. And I believe, <laughs> no, 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 I, 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 the, the, the Lightning Network demo, like, I'm like, just like, like, I just see it. I'm like, this thing has the potential just like I, I, it's got the potential to be huge. So I sit back and I'm like, okay, so how can this not, like what's going to happen? Because the governments aren't going to willfully be like, 
this is a great idea. This Bitcoin thing's great. It's something we can't control. So let's just throw it out there. It's going to, for the great, uh, you know, for because of humanity, it's going to help humanity. This is great. We lose control for the government, and I don't think they don't want that, obviously, right? So I, I sit back, and I'm just, I always try to play in my head. I'm like, so how can this go wrong? What else can happen? And, and so that's why I just sit back here quietly looking at you guys and trying to let my little hamster run in my little head here, my primitive little thoughts, trying to figure out the, the downside to all this. And I, I got to be honest, I can't find too much, you know what I mean? Except I just feel like when the government feels like it's a wounded animal and it starts lashing out, what extremes will it go to? Okay, so you know? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in here. Um, I figured you would. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so listen, again, for people that haven't listened to me before... Um, and if you are listening to me again, I thank you. Uh, but I spent 30 years in the financial markets as a bond trader. Okay. Nick, you would be a perfect bond trader because bond traders are pessimists. Okay. Because a bond is a contract. And generally, that contract will never increase in value. When a company is doing really, really well, the company doesn't say, hey, I'm doing so well, I'm going to increase the interest I'm paying you on your bond because I'm doing really well. No, that interest, that economic advantage accrues to equity holders further down the capital stack. But bondholders lend $100 to get $100 back with an interest rate on it. But they're pessimists. They're like, what could go wrong? So I'm a pessimist. What could go wrong? Okay. Equity guys, they think trees grow to the moon. Okay. <laughs> Most of Canadians are fools when it comes to bonds. And actually pretty foolish when it comes to equities as well. Because you could not sell a Rogers Communications bond to Canadian institutions because it was a junk bond. Ted Rogers was once the largest high-yield borrower in the world. I don't know how many people wow, know really? that. Not just in Canada, in the world. But they couldn't. he could not fund himself in Canada. He had to go to the United States high-yield bond market. Okay? He paid a coupon of 10 to 12%, but there was always a price. In Canada, there was no price. I will not lend Ted Rogers a dime. He's a junk bond company. Well, why do you own the equity then, you bunch of idiots? But that was Canadian pension funds that owned Rogers Communications equity, but not the bonds. Why, okay. why did they own because the equity? Because equity grows to the moon. Don't you get it? <laughs> equity goes to the moon, but bonds are junk. Well, listen, if you're going to be and throw around pejoratives, if you call the bonds junk... Mm -hmm. As a subordinate claim, you have to call the equity super junk, okay? Don't suck and blow at the same time. So you're a bond trader. Okay. I'm a bond trader. Jesse's an equity trader because Bitcoin is the greatest thing ever. And all I will say is, ladies and gentlemen, always consider your probability outcomes, but don't overthink it, okay? Yes, those are risks. Yes, quantum computing is a risk, but don't overlook the positive side of the probability distribution. Or, the, or what happens from now until those risks okay. become... Those risks aren't happening. Okay. I'll tell you why. Because it's decentralized, okay? One country can close it down, yeah. and that'll be the worst thing that country has ever done because all the agree. other countries will benefit by not closing it there's, down. Yeah. Th there's, there's, if you've been in Bitcoin long enough, you know that it's like an annual thing when China comes out with their FUD. China's banning Bitcoin. Here we go again. Or India's banning Bitcoin. Here we go again. Yeah. It's like... They do it, and then everyone in Bitcoin just laughs. But how okay, about so we get like, to it's a like, probability? Okay, hey, it's not a 0% probability, but it's not a 75% probability either. Again, you have to, something that's got this asymmetric return distribution, you put probabilities on it, but what you need to understand is you only have to be 5% right 
on this asymmetric probability distribution to realize that Bitcoin at under $50,000, a coin, is the cheapest thing you'll ever see in your life. And for the record, you were on here saying this when it was like under 10000 But I said, it, don't said, overthink it. Don't and, and, overthink it. Yeah, and I think it. you were back when it was like 19000 and now you're back and it's touch. I don't even know what to say. Let's not look at it today. Yeah, let's not even look at it. Well, it's a, yeah, it's, a, it's at around 38, 39, 40,000, whatever it's at right Still now. Still a rounding error. And you still believe it's a, that's what I was going to ask you. You still believe it's a rounding error. Ladies and gentlemen, do not overthink this. Okay. Okay. So when you go on Twitter and you post your comments about the bond market and the insurance, yep. I think it's so important for me to understand this stuff, Okay. but I don't. Okay. Can you just explain your thought process on what you're hundred percent. But before I get there, today's a special day. Okay. Cause I do know that today the market value of Bitcoin surpassed the market value of Facebook. Hey, that's pretty cool. Hey, and there's a bigger one it just passed. Tesla as well. Did it pass Tesla? No, it I passed think Tesla's Tesla. up next. It happened this morning. Oh, did it happen this morning? Okay, okay 760 billion. Okay. Bitcoin is now more valuable than Tesla and Facebook. Now, Michael Saylor thinks that Bitcoin is worth 100 times the value of Facebook, but right now it's just one-to-one. I think Michael Saylor could be one of the smartest people I've ever met. I've never met him, but listen to. If he says 100 times, I'm going to say, hey, maybe he's 50% right, so I'm only going to go 50 times. So, so, okay, so let's let's assume there's 50. So don't overthink this again. But let's get uh, – Jesse, you might have Jesse, a question. I, I was, was going <laughs> to give an example. No, no. While we're on the topic of Michael Saylor, I wanted to bring up one of the examples that he's brought up in his interviews because he's just out there smoking everyone on the podcast circuit right now. Um, he said, you know, years and years ago, he had considered, should I buy shares in Rand McNally, which was a company that made physical maps, right? Should I buy this piece of paper globe, you know, global map? He could do that, or he could buy Google, which is di digitizing, or, or his word was dematerializing maps. So Rand McNally, worth $50 million, or he can invest in Google and their Google Maps or Apple Maps, whichever one it was that he was talking about. And that grows into a $500 billion market or whatever number, you know, maybe it was 500 million. It doesn't really matter. The point is physical paper map, like physical money, you can touch it, you can exchange it in person. It has a certain utility in the sense that, okay, I can see how far Toronto is from Vancouver, but a digital map, I can zoom in, I can calculate the, the precise distance, I can do street I can look view. Up, I can do street view, I can look up a review of the restaurant, I can see what time the restaurant's open, I can decide if I want to go, oh, the reviews are bad, actually, never mind, I'm going to look at a different restaurant. You're creating a smart dematerialized money, which is what the the, the digital map was to uh, paper maps, analog maps. Yeah. So as I That's sit beautiful. here, that thank you. I'd never heard that. Sorry to interrupt. No, it's no uh, problem. Nick. No. So as I sit here and I question everything at the same time. Remember, I'm I'm a, I'm pro, but I the way I when I when I do things, I always have to look at worst case and then and I come out. You're a bond trader. We've decided you're a bond trader. So I'm a bond trader. So as a bond trader, here's the flip side: is is here in Canada specifically, and in, in a lot of developed nations we can't see how broken the money system is because it's not in front of us on a regular basis. Even though we know it is because of the money printing, we see asset inflation, we know it's just destroyed. But when you when we use these, um, when we use other countries Argentina. as an example, and, and, and how important a good money system is, and if you're in one of those countries and you see how broken it is, then what you were saying, Jesse, earlier is like the importance of this is, is just magnified immensely. And then I look at the value of, of Bitcoin at this price, to, to your point, Greg, and uh -huh. saying, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. 
sense because if we're looking at this as a global scale, yeah, it's right there. but when you're, you look at it just it, yeah. in Canada, I think that's where I, I struggle to communicate with some people sometimes because you can't see how broken the system is with us right here. But you take this and you, you put it globally. How many countries in the world have a completely destroyed economic system, monetary system because of the dependence on the U.S. dollar? I'm like, going to flip the huge. question to you. Oh, oh. I'm going to flip can the I, question I, to you. Go ahead. Do the you same go thing, ahead. Actually. Okay, go. So start by asking them, where does the government get the money? that they spend, right? Sure, taxes, yeah, that that accounts for a little bit of it, but they borrow, right? Where do they borrow from? The Central Bank of Canada. Okay, where does the Central Bank of Canada get their money from? Oh, the yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. It. Great question, and, and, and then you could go, so I'll even, I, I like to bring things even to, you know, back it up to the, to the purest principles. How many countries, how many fiats are there in the world? That's perhaps a different question. Yeah, do you know? I have yeah, no I idea, actually. Yeah, I know, do you guys know? No. no. You know, I think I knew I at one give you a number, but I, 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 I'm going to guess it. A fiat, okay. I'm going to guess it like 180. So, either you are 182. Okay, I think I read okay. this recently. So that's I must about have read this. Yeah, 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 that, that, it's around say, 180. <laughs> so, so you made Greg speechless for two seconds. Which is, I saw it happen. Which, which is awesome because he said, like, I, I would just say, hey, look, I'm a probabilities guy. Like that chance of that happening was, unless you had read it, then that chance was almost zero. That being said, look, so 180. Okay, go with that number. Every single one of those will fail with the exception of the top 10 before the US dollar fails. Okay, it's just look, let, let's be honest, that is pure economics there. So when Venezuela has garbage bags of paper dollars out on the, uh, on, on the street, why is that? Well, because it's sort of like a rounding error. I hate, I, I love a lot of Venezuelans, but at the end of the day, look, we have to be honest as where Canada ranks in this. We're blessed to live next to the most powerful rich country in the world, longest undefended border. That being said, we are a G7 nation, but Venezuela is in the bottom quartile, okay? Hundreds of fiats will fail. But what does that happen? And this rolls nicely into my default protection, okay, argument. It starts a domino effect. It starts people thinking, hey, theirs was just the same as what I have. A fiat means trust. I believe it's a Latin word for trust. Jesse, you might have brought this out in your book or something, but... Fiat was... Uh correct but trust it it it, it, it also it trust us, trust us right? to pay trust, you trust back, us you know Don't verify so, trust us okay so so here we go all right there's 182 of them what happens and this is part of what happens in bonds okay it's called contagion one buddy one person looks around and says and and i can describe it pretty neat if as a canadian with our different provinces okay let's just say the province of quebec went bankrupt do you think there'd be no contagion amongst the other provinces in Canada? No, come on. Look, we're smarter than that, okay? Well, the same thing would apply to countries that use fiat. People who own the fiat would start thinking, well, cripes, I'm not that different from country XYZ, and I rely on this fiat system as well, okay? Well, we saw contagion in the, two, the last financial crisis, okay. right? And, and that spread globally. Okay, from, that was from a, a banking contagion. Yes, all true. This is bigger by a factor of 10, sure, right? Because yes. how do banks Holy maintain shit. their credit quality? You just give me this vision that the global systems, this house of cards that I've always okay, talked about, is. we've always talked about, but, but the way you're it. describing it to me is like, holy crap, a couple of these cards fall and then the rest It is just... held together with duct tape, okay? With, with hope. <laughs> with, with, with a hope and a prayer. Duct tape. Like, you know, who trust, was that guy me. that always uh, could solve anything? Uh, MacGyver. The, the, the global financial system is a MacGyver solution. 
duct tape and whatever else he used. To, so then to can you get anything. to the insurance? Com- yeah. Sure, and I'd love to. So here, look. So the question I think that Tom uh, is posing and Jesse, uh, so here's the neat thing. So Jesse's done a lot of neat things in the uh, financial markets in Canada, but really, really truthfully, no one in Canada understands bonds, okay? From the point where I mentioned I was the first high-yield bond trader in Canada, uh, where Ted Rogers was the largest bond borrower in the world, high-yield bond borrower in the world, and I couldn't get accounts that owned $900 million worth of Rogers Communications equity, a subordinate claim, to buy even $1 of Rogers Communications debt because it was a junk bond. God's honest story. I don't need to go into it. I have a credit bent, okay? I mentioned before that contagion in things like the asset-backed commercial paper market with the case of the Poi Plasmans Quebec, where they stopped funding the asset-backed commercial paper market overnight, caused the entire system in Canada to freeze up $32 billion worth of debt. When was that? 2008. It was actually a precursor to the global financial crisis. It happened in Canada. The alarm bells went off in Canada first. Case that they Poe owned $16 billion of this stuff. It was more than t- one-tenth of their assets. They stopped funding it. The price of, those, that, of that paper went from just under 100 cents on the dollar to 20 cents overnight. No trades, no liquidity. It stopped. This is what happens when contagion impacts, okay? At 20 cents on the dollar, I saw opportunity. I hated them at 100 cents on the dollar, but it comes back to there's a price for everything. So let's get to credit default swap market, okay? Called credit protection, CDS, credit default swap. It is basically insurance on any entity. You can purchase insurance that they will, in the event of a default, you will get all your money back, okay? On $10 million of bonds, current on a $10 million contract currently, the United States is trading at 14 basis points, which means on a five-year term, it costs you $14,000 a year, pretty skinny amount, on $10 million to insure $10 million of debt. Sort of cool, right? It's an insurance policy. The premium, think of insuring your house, is $14,000 a year. That's measured as 14 basis points, could be on $100, but generally the contract is $10 million. Okay, again, $10 million, we're talking $29 trillion worth of debt. But on $10 million, it costs somebody who is interested in insuring their bond position $14,000 a year over a five-year period. The contracts only trade in five-year contracts and lower. It'll roll down the curve. They'll reissue another five-year contract. Don't want to get overly confused or overly, uh, uh, you know, I guess I don't want everyone to try and become a bond trader because bond trading (laughs) is... No, but that detail level is great. Okay, so so here's we go. Okay, so United States trades at 14 basis points. United States is rated by S&P double A plus, Okay. Double A plus is one notch below the highest credit rating there is out there, called which is triple A. So the credit rating goes triple A, double A, single A, triple B, double B, single B. Double B is where high yield starts, so they call it non-investment grade. Everything up above that is called investment grade. And then each credit rating is split into three different positive, uh, flat, and negative. So A, double A plus, double A, 
double A minus. Funny thing is, Canada is still rated triple A by S&P. So let's say S&P was right. If the United States trades at 14 basis points and it has a double A plus credit rating, where should Canada trade? Lower or higher? The lower. Lower, lower yeah. price, right? Yeah. Okay. It really is a bond trader. Okay, you are. That's a great answer. Simple math. How much yeah. can you sell? Higher me? than fourteen. Okay. Lower. How good. much will you sell me then? How much will you sell me at lower than fourteen basis points based on an S and P rating? And the, I'm not going to quiz you here. The answer is don't do it because the market people out there on Canada are paying thirty six basis points. Oh, that's sort of weird. Canada's a higher rated credit according to S and P, but the market is telling you that it's a way worse credit. In fact, the market is telling you that Canada is the equivalent of a single A rating. This, and markets are truth, ladies and gentlemen. No disrespect to S&P and Moody's and the other rating agencies, but I wouldn't wrap fish in most of their reports, okay? <laughs> so, 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 so when you see that, then that's you telling us, because I know you put this on Twitter often, yep. you, that's you telling us there are problems in the what here in Canada? In the bond market? No, the problem is that People who price insurance and markets are saying there's no way that Canada's a better credit than the United States, firstly. And by the way, United States blows, so Canada must blow even worse. And the really scary thing is Portugal actually is only at about 40 basis points. So Canada's so close to Portugal. And just four, four, six years ago, co Portugal was called part of the pigs, right? The pigs country in, in, in Middle Europe. Portugal, Italy, Greece, and Spain. Well, welcome to the world of the pigs, Canada, because your default protection right now is very close to Portugal. So, but but why, so to Tom's question though, that then yeah. why, like why are they looking at Canada that way? Okay, it's a market, and they're just saying because their total debt to GDP really Out stinks. And by the way, they may have the strongest banks in the world prior to the energy collapse and the fact that Canadian banks hold way more commercial real estate than so a lot of that. Hey, here's another thing. It's only a rounding error of a country. It is, like it really we're one-tenth yeah. the size of the U.S. If you, do you want diversification? You'd look towards the U.S. All this, and I'm going to summarize it right here very carefully for you guys, okay? Look, Turkey trades at about 350 basis points, Okay. Turkey's a double B credit. It's at the bottom of the, it's in the high yield of the countries. The point is, if you go from paying $14,000 a year to $350,000 a year, hey, that's real bananas, Mark Cuban. Okay, look, these are, <laughs> these are real costs of money. And by the way, these are $200 trillion cumulative markets. For, for those that don't know, Mark Cuban literally said that he would rather have a banana than the Bitcoin. So this is that yeah. was a dig. So there. anyway, a little bit of a dig, uh, Mr. Cuban. At the end of the day, very few people understand bonds. Even fewer people understand credit risk in bonds. So global bonds, can I just summarize? Global bonds are going to move from being interest rate sensitive because interest rates have gone in the last 40 years have gone from 15 to 16% down to zero. They're not going through zero, you guys. Yes, there may be negative yielding debt, but that's a farce. Just central bank, you know, uh, machinations. Games. At the end of the day, interest rate risk is now gonna become credit risk. And when the 30-year bond starts pricing in 30-year credit risk, your long bonds are gonna get destroyed.
absolutely crushed. And it's be- they're, they're going to get destroyed because the uh, rate's going to go through the roof. Because of credit risk, Jesus. not interest rate risk. Holy shit. Yes, exactly. Because if the five-year ri- rate is 14 basis points in the United States, what would a 30-year rate be on credit risk? Oh, we can. I can show you how a tenor is calculated and everything, but it's probably around sixty basis yeah, points. I'm a bond guy. I like that stuff. Okay, good. <laughs> it's very. It's math. There's a lot of math in bonds. When it comes to this, though, guys, if the long bond rate went from a sixty basis point implied credit spread to a hundred and sixty basis point implied credit risk, that hundred basis points will knock your long bond price down by almost twenty five percent. Holy oh, shit. by the way, bonds, there's no risk in bonds. Yeah, yeah. There's no risk in bonds. That's a really so, good so one. So there's no risk this until is, there is. This and then is when being it held together. It, and we agree with the duct tape and the toothpicks. It's being held together with the toothpaste, the whole MacGyver thing. But, and so, but, but this is just blowing my mind because when this event eventually triggers... The so, bond market is going to not and it'll even happen under- suddenly. So, so that's why you're saying Bitcoin is going to whatever price you're, you're you're saying right now, because you're like there is going to be a rush of people or play it out for me. You're thinking there's yeah. going to be a rush of Look, people. There's 200 trillion of bonds that need fiat protection. Yeah. Okay, credit default swap protection will really start firing through the roof, and the value of their long bonds are going to be collapsing. And there's $200 trillion that are going to try and stuff how many marshmallows into that piggy bank. Hey, what is fiat? Fiat is garbage. And what is Bitcoin? It is the hedge or the anti-fiat. So all these bond contracts which settle in fiat will be rushing for the protection of Bitcoin. Maybe I can distill some of this down. Just a super, super, super simple into its essence effectively. When the first bond was ever created, the first money was ever created, right? In, in fiat terms, in this world that we live in today, the first dollars, they're created out of debt, right? The central bank says, okay, government, we're going to give you $100 and you're going to give us a bond that says you owe us $100 plus interest, correct? Okay. How do they pay back the $100 plus interest when they only have $100? There is no, there is well, not enough money in the world well, okay, to pay back so all the it, debt it, in the world. It, it all works well when you can tax, and the growth of your economy exceeds the growth of your debt. But but all that growth is predicated on continual issuance of debt, which can never fully be repaid because there is literally not enough money in existence to only pay it when, back. You can, you can collateralize it and create all this additional value. Only when total debt to GDP surpasses 100%. That's when things start to unravel. Jesse, on page 123 of your book, you have the debtor's dilemma. And there's a quote here by Christopher Nolan, the dark knight. (laughs) And it says, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And I feel like the central banking system, you know, let's face it. I I guess we could argue over the last 40 years, there's been a lot of prosperity pulled forward because of the debt pulling forward and changed a lot of lives. And and maybe there was an era in the fiat world, which I can't believe I'm even going to say, but maybe in the 70s, 80s, maybe it pulled a lot of prosperity forward and stuff. But now, and maybe they were the hero, but to your quote here, it seems like the system is going to live to become the villain. That, that's a great way of putting it, that you're pulling it forward, right? When you're, when you're issuing debt, you are taking savings from your future. You are taking save or income from your future and using it now. 
eventually that savings and income has to be repaid. The bills always, always, always come due. Amen. And so how can you push it out forever, right? The system is predicated on we can just continue to borrow forever. We can borrow 10 years in the future. We can borrow 30 years into the future. We're going to do 100-year bonds. We'll, we'll borrow mm -hmm. 100 years into the future. Regardless of how far you keep borrowing, at some point it has to be paid back. The the, the people that own that debt. Well, not right, according but, but, not according to the modern monetary theorists. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, obviously we're talking yeah. in in you know we're, we're opposing that view here. Um, at what point do you cross a threshold? And I think that's what people generally don't understand that there is well, I'm a threshold historically. Yeah, yeah, no, okay, I'm okay. telling you what the threshold is. It's total debt to GDP surpassing 100 percent. Now think about it, guys. If your economy is growing at 3%, but the coupon on your debt is 6%, you're and you're at one-to-one, one, yeah. it means the numerator de facto is growing faster than the denominator, which means your debt burden is increasing just because of your coupon. But, they, but going back to the MacGyver example, there's a number of economies that MacGyver it together well beyond 100%. Okay, they'll they'll pull out the ja the so JGBs. It's, all, it's always temporary, mm. though. They, I, well, I, I agree. It but, but exists. How because temporary is it going to be? Until people figure it out, well, look and at then Japan, they run for the exit. No, don't bring up Japan. No, okay? that's like, a socio-economic scenario, and they are not the most powerful country in the world. Yes, worry about it when the most powerful country in the world has no chance. Of yeah, it, it, get, it, it gets complicated by the fact that every different country is at a different stage in its cycle. Right at the end of the day, yes, like you're saying, the U.S is the world's reserve currency. It's the world's dominant country, Correct. right? They, they set the tone for the rest Correct. of the world. So, you know, you want to pay attention to them because your local currency is just U.S. dollar plus your local country risk. Like, that that's the value of your currency. It's the U.S. Excellent. plus... Well said. Well yeah, said. and I can't take credit for that. I You know, Twitter is a, a, okay. gold, a gold mine for, for one-liners. Um, so, yeah, you, you have but, to understand that. But all these systems, they're all exactly all the same. All fiat's melt, okay? They they're are all, all programmed the to melt. And, and I see where Nick's melt. coming from because he's, uh, and I can see that argument because it's like, okay, guys, like, yeah, but, you know, things have been held together so long. Are we talking okay. my lifetime here? Are okay. we talking I need 10 to years? This and to your point, this I is why I'm fascinated yep. with what you're saying yep. because you're, for the first time, I'm hearing mathematically. Yeah. Oh. Why? It's only math. No, no, I yeah, get yeah, and and, it, it, we've and never... we said I always have said because if I as a bond analyst I can look at Rogers Communications as a as a balance sheet or I can look at the company of at the country of Canada as a balance sheet and be there 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 be no emotion there and I'll just say which one has a better balance sheet okay well uh, and cash flows to pay back you know uh, uh, the economic yes the government of Canada can tax no question but arguably we've reached the point of diminishing returns you raise taxes and what happens more of the economy goes underground you know what i mean and cash is uh, there's cash settlements and uh, you know you don't claim all your taxes i i need to come back to the to the main point here, to be clear i would never do anything like that i don't know if you're talking about not claiming your taxes or not but i'm just you know oh, good. Just <laughs> there, there, as canadian citizens you need to pay you need to pay for our beautiful country okay at the end of the day though the quote the numbers that are quoted as us total debt don't forget the us gdp total gdp is about i'm going to use 25 trillion as a number it's between 25 and 30 trillion okay total debt is right around one times okay just at the government level doesn't include state they include state doesn't include uh, municipalities okay or off balance sheet okay uh, well uh, this is what i'm bringing up and we brought this up the last podcast according to jeffrey gunlack unfunded liabilities in the united states are $157 trillion, Medicare and Medicaid, you guys, okay? 
Yeah, so how you, how's the, how are the taxpayers going to pay for that? It's, when when, when re, yeah, revenue, U.S. tax okay, revenue is what? So one, one and a half trillion dollars a year and shrinking yes, right now because it, you know we're tanking okay. all our economies? So it's impossible. Okay, again, it's only math, and that's what I love about Bitcoin. Bitcoin so now is we math can kind of time this a little bit because I think to Jesse's point, we can see a shrinking economy, so the tax revenue is even going to go further. We know these liabilities are owed to the American people, and I think we could probably extrapolate over the next 10 years with the baby boomers and then the you know some of the off balance sheet stuff is like medicare and you know medicaid right medicaid and this yeah. kind of stuff when this when this bills for these come due over the next 10 years this house of cards scenario looks like it's in our future like it doesn't look anymore to me that it's like a lifetime away it looks like well, here, here's here's hold on here's how all watch phrase. the credit default swap market yeah. and that will yeah, tell you that seems so like bingo a, this may be your aha moment i'm trying to tell you when it will be yeah. over and it's when the credit default swap market starts getting because credit default swap markets were prior to this mostly on corporates Hewlett-Packard's, the, the, the companies that truly defaulted. G12, G20 nations didn't necessarily default, okay? Greece was rescued. It wasn't G20, but it was in the European Union. You get my point, and I don't want to step on Jesse's toes here. This is about him. Guys, watch <laughs> the credit default swap market. I cannot tell you a better indicator of distress, okay? And the correlation between CDS and Bitcoin should be a one-to-one -one correlation. So it's good that you we have both of us here because you it know, is a perfect I, balance. Yeah, it yeah, is a perfect like a, balance. You know, again, for for the most people listening, watching the credit default swap markets, well, how do I do that? What do I do that? Right? Like it's it's most people. Internet's a beautiful well, no, thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Internet's you a beautiful thing. You can actually get it on the ground. Well, we know now. You're going to tweet it. Jesse's going to retweet it, and then we're going to like it, and that's how we're all going to track. This. No disrespect <laughs> to your listeners, but I need David Rosenberg to even understand this. And he's Canada's leading economist, and he doesn't get it, okay? You he don't still think he gets this? 100% he doesn't. He loves long bonds. That's what freaks me out he, when oh, people no, like very him scary. do not get this. Very, very, very scary because he's never traded credit, okay? Again, credit is an enigma. Everyone was always worried about interest rate risk, which was at a manipulated rate. Credit is not manipulated, guys. It is a pure market pricing mechanism like so, equities. So to Jesse's point, we'll yes. just, Jesse, we're going to give out your contact information. Just a logical time. You're on Twitter at Foss, Greg Foss, because you regularly tweet this stuff out. So if someone's listening to this and wants to, you know, just keep high level awareness out, you could just go to your Twitter feed almost because every once in a while you're just tweeting out some of this I, stuff. I can do that for sure. I would also Aren't say reach out or, to me. Or, I do. I, I, okay. I started I'm doing it every Wednesday. I'm not trying to give you like a job no, or anything. Thing. Here's the neat thing. <laughs> I used to do it every Wednesday. On behalf of all Canadians, Greg, please. Uh, <laughs> well, here's anything please dm me uh i want to move this conversation back to jesse it, it should be more about him i i want to i want to though hit on two points okay first of all we're going to give jesse's book away today to the to the listeners um so we have like uh at least 50 books that we're giving away for free Okay, this book is a must read. If you don't read it, let your children read it. Okay, please, because they'll get it. If you're not smart enough to get it, your kids will get it. Okay, where, where are they picking up this book at your house or our office? No, at your office. Oh, okay, I don't know if okay. going by your. Um, and I want to mention another thing: higher prices bring out buyers. Okay, that is an age-old truism when you manage money. Higher prices prices bring out buyers because before. It wasn't a question if you manage money. Why do you own Bitcoin? People question you. Now that the price is going up, people are like, or your clients, why don't you own Bitcoin? And all these monkeys that have 
dissed it for all these years and could have bought it and thought there was value there but said, oh, none of my competition is buying it, so I don't need to buy it. All these guys are going to buy it just so they can tell their clients that they own it because, you know, I was smart enough to own it. When I was stupid enough not to own it before, now I'm smart enough. Higher prices bring out buyers. It's called theory of agents. For for years, Max Kaiser has been talking about Bitcoin as a Veblen good, which is... A, a good that is more attractive when prices are higher versus when it's lower. Okay. It's just simple definition. Love it. Of, love of, it. Of okay. That is. So he's been talking about that for whatever reason, and it has to do obviously a lot with human psychology. People are more attracted when there's fanfare, when there's interest, when it when there's this boom versus doing the hard work, evaluating the fundamentals, trying to figure out why is something that's cheap and no one's paying attention to going to appreciate into the future, right? Like, the, we're here talking about my book. I wrote this book starting in mid-2019. Nobody cared about Bitcoin, even though it had gotten up to 20,000. I was writing it when it was back down at 5,000, 6,000, whatever dollars, slaving away, trying to explain in, you know, as, as in minute detail as I can while being concise and friendly and all that stuff, this is a very, very important thing. This is a very, very valuable thing for the world. But no one cared to listen to me. You know, when I would have conversations with friends, no one cared. Oh, Bitcoin, didn't it die? It, it ran up in 2017, but like no one so, owns that thing so now. So Jesse, when Greg explains this stuff, and then I think back to your book, on page 53, you talk yeah. about trust and decentralized trust. And we now have a trust-based system to, to Greg's point. We trust like a central authority, the central banks, Bank of Canada, whoever you want to call the central authority is. Yeah. But now with Bitcoin, it's like a decentralized trust. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so, you know, in the world, if you want to say, there, there's sort of two ways... There, there's two, I guess, types of system in how I laid it out. And again, I, I laid it out as if it's a monetary phenomenon, but you can extend it to a social phenomenon. And we're seeing that to a degree in the world right now where we can only listen to the science that comes from the authorities in the world and we can't have contrasting views. We can't have debate. It's, it's really a top-down, one-way street, right? With Bitcoin, the whole point is that if I want to verify the state of the chain, if I want to verify how many coins are in my wallet, I don't go to bitcoin.com or whatever to verify it and check there it's i have a copy of the blockchain just like everybody has a copy of the blockchain we can all look and verify based on that same scoreboard that we talked about at the beginning of the show where we're all checking that same metric right so we all have the same playbook we all have the same uh state of the world we can all agree on it because we all have a copy on it and it's all proven because we're all verifying with it, it with each other. In other systems, the central bank tells us, this is how much money we need right now. This is how much money we're gonna print into the economy. This is how much, what the interest rate needs to be for everyone. Only one small group gets to make that decision. We don't all come to a consensus. With Bitcoin, we all get together, put our heads together and agree. And there's value in the ideas of an entire you know, network versus the ideas of one person or one group dictating it for the entire network. Because they may be wrong, whereas if we all agree, we can agree that it, we're all It makes right. for a beautiful transition. Like, it's beautiful when globally there could be this even scorecard score to move from wherever we are now, and there might be a bit of a panic rush to it. And, and to, to, when I hear Greg explain this stuff, part of me thinks, like, we're such a beautiful country, I almost want things to slow down just a little bit because I want that transition to, to be a little bit cordial, and I, I'm not sure what's going to happen over the next little while. But I, I guess I just want to ask both you guys' opinions on back to the threats of this kind of stuff because now, you know, with it, with both your explanations, the simplicity of the explanation, Greg's detail into the credit market, why do we not think, because I don't think they would do this either, but why do we not think the government of Canada 
coordinates, forget the government of Canada, the Federal Reserve in the U.S. coordinates with all the central banks around the world, the Bank of International Settlements. They all get together in unison. That leaves out maybe two or three countries. Like we're talking maybe Iran, China, Russia, don't get on this Mm -hmm. bandwagon. And universally say, back to Nick's point earlier, guys, this is freaking illegal. Or we're excessively taxing this to the point where like it's just going to not even be worth holding it. Or, you know... You have to, or or maybe the, 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 the lesser threat would be you can't hold it on your cold storage. You must move it onto the exchange by the end of this month. And then, you know, they do some other stuff after they do that. Why do you guys think these threats, they don't, the central banking system doesn't see this monopoly power they hold crumbling and do something coordinated. Uh, hold on, I'll let you guys answer in a second. I just want to say here. I just want to show how smart I am, how much I've learned from Greg, because now I understand. It's understanding the probability of that, and it's a, it's a math equation, and you figure out the probability of that, and you put that into your equation, and then you decide to determine based on that. And to get all the countries working together globally to come to an agreement about something, the chances of that happening is pretty low risk, and then you kind of move forward from that point. Did good, I pass your test? Good night, Montreal. Yeah. It's over. <laughs> Thank Sorry, you for Jesse, having me. I didn't did want to interrupt. No, that was great. great. I'll say, number one, taking the freedom of choice from away from people is a very dangerous precedent to set for the world. So I'll just put that out there. Um, But let's go with that hypothetical that all the world somehow gets on this, all the world governments, I should say, get on the same page and manage to coordinate a legal attack on Bitcoin. They're going to regulate or tax or whatever every on-ramp and off-ramp. And they're going to make it legal in their countries with whatever papers and words they want to throw around to do so. That in no way stops the Bitcoin network from producing blocks. That has absolutely no effect on Bitcoin continuing to Bitcoin. Zero. And if you do that, all you're going to do is push the Bitcoin economy underground. It will still function 100%. You and I can still perform a Bitcoin transaction. I can send you, you know, you can send me a couple Bitcoin. I can send you a book. Or, or that's two, that's or assuming they don't turn the internet off, okay? Yeah, but, they, but they literally, they, I'll, they would... I'll, t- I'll tell you exactly how you stop Bitcoin. You have to turn the internet off across the globe, everywhere, and, and, and satellite, and, space, and Bluetooth, right. and yeah. like you have to literally And mesh sh- networks. And me- yeah, you have to shut all that off, and you also have to go to every single computer on which Bitcoin exists, in the blockchain and the, and the software and for the, running it, yeah. and delete it all. And then there's, you have to also get rid of the paper copies. Because even if you somehow manage to coordinate this attack where you wipe Bitcoin from every single computer across the world, which is an unfathomably difficult task, we can still recreate it again. The best thing, the, the only example that I heard that was kind of made sense, because I agree with, with all that, it just seems like it just totally unrealistic. But when, I think it was Jim Rogers that said it, when, when there was multiple different currencies in England, and to be able, when they centralized it and said, look, you have to use our, the pound. Now, everyone has to use the pound. And it's an act of treason against the country if you don't do this. Okay. And then it's just, because then it drives, then does that change demand for Bitcoin? The network still exists, but the demand then has changed because a lot of people, look, we've seen it with what's happened in the last year. We've seen it. There's a lot of people that the government says something. They're like, oh, the government's right. I'm not going to look into it at all. I'm just going to make the assumption they're right with everything. And it drives this market no different than the marijuana market before versus now. Although the market still existed, 100%. You could, it wasn't hard to go buy marijuana, but the demand Why for do you it know it wasn't was hard less. to buy marijuana? <laughs> Every Monday morning, my oh, dealer would come know. over. I no, know. I, I thought it was really hard. But, um, <laughs> 
but but it you know and then uh, but but the even though it existed, not as many people would do it as now because they can walk into a store and get their gummies or whatever the heck they're doing, right? So that's the only thing that it just seemed there's I'll, a bit of a disconnect I'll, there. I'll, for I'll me. give you I'll give you an example that actually happened to me. So I was in Argentina in 2016, I think it was. Yeah, 2016 or 2015. Either way, it doesn't matter. And you know, so we had to convert some money to the Argentinian peso. The exchange rate quoted at the banks or wherever we could officially do it was, you know, Versus two, two to one. Yeah. But all the staff at all the hotels and everywhere we went, they were like, no, no, don't do that. Use the quote blue rate, this underground rate. We'll give you seven to one. So you'll get way more pesos if you do this underground rate. What do you think is going to happen to Bitcoin? Bitcoin on the black market or gray market or whatever you want to call it is going to shoot up. If yeah. they make it illegal, they are acknowledging that the alternatives are worthless. They are but, acknowledging that the dollars are the thing guys, that are yeah. worthless. And, and that's where and, it goes and back. And that's to going to push I, I need to go even, into Bitcoin. Everyone is always now, 1971, remove the uh, Nixon, the remove the gold standard, okay? Uh, fiat's then pegged themselves to the U.S. dollar, okay? And that fell apart. But the U.S. dollar was always um, viewed as, you know, a quasi gold standard. It wasn't legally, but it was quasi. Hey, uh, has anyone watched what happened in the last couple of days in the most powerful nation in the world? Uh, look, there are enough people that aren't on the same side of thought processes that I can't imagine that by decree you wouldn't have at least half the population going up in arms that something like this was even dis determined to be implemented, let alone how they would react, okay? I will go uh, out on a limb again and quote Jeffrey Gunlock as saying there is a material chance that the U.S. breaks into two countries. That's not me. That's one of the smartest bond managers in the world who is predicting that there is a non-zero chance that the U.S. breaks into two. Again, that's the only currency we really are concerned with because it right now is the world reserve currency. Bitcoin will become the world reserve asset when energy is priced in Bitcoin, okay? And when energy is priced in Bitcoin, Saudi Arabia is not going to hold U.S. dollars because they don't want to. And Russia certainly is not going to hold U.S. dollars. They will hold Bitcoin. It's the logical and engineering thermodynamic beauty. I want to say one thing before you do, okay? All of these chances are non-zero, but you answered your own question, Nick. Do your own probability analysis. When something can go to, in my views, hundreds of times higher than it currently is, you only need a 5% chance of that view happening for $50,000 of Bitcoin to look extremely cheap. Don't overthink this. Don't be David Rosenberg. Do not be David Rosenberg, okay? <laughs> Do not overthink. The fact this. that he doesn't get it is a, is a detriment to our country. Well, okay, maybe, but he might be right. He may be right. I don't think he's right, and mathematically, he is certainly not right. But, hey, but to dismiss it outright it's okay. completely, he hasn't been bullish on equities either. Um, uh, did you have something to say, well, Jesse? Well, I was going to say it was sort of to compliment what you're saying, but the game theory surrounding Bitcoin. Correct is just this reinforcing feedback loop that just every element of it feeds back into itself. And makes it and more valuable. And, and it doesn't matter like what aspect of it hooks you in. Once you do that, you're just caught up in the cycle where you understand, where you slowly so, understand it takes, you yeah. know, you have to build up your knowledge on it, which is again, part of the way I designed the book that it's in one page chunks that I'm trying to help you. Correct. Specifically and that's a beautiful build up your book. Knowledge base. But, I know you're going to want to wrap it up. 
Yeah, no, all no, I was going to say was that minutes, just, just that, I think I have just that the positive okay. feedback loop lends so to I, countries. Can, can, I, can I mention why this isn't, can I put my two cents worth in? Uh, yes, it's a non-zero probability. No, sorry, you're not allowed to. Okay, sorry, sorry. Oh, Greg, yeah, ladies and cannot. gentlemen, I wanted to, I, this is not the perfect time to, influ, uh, to insert this, but I need people, okay? Lower your time preference. Yeah. Lower your time preference. And Greg, we have time. You keep okay. going. Okay, here's what we need, okay? My challenge to people out there that are getting into Bitcoin, please do not try and trade it. Bitcoin is insurance. You don't trade your insurance on your house. You don't trade fire insurance and say, well, I'm not going to have a fire this week, so I'm going to sell my insurance and then try and buy it back at a cheaper price. Actually, that, okay? you're, you're, I'm gonna, you, you do not trade insurance. Bitcoin is insurance. And this is default insurance, because I brought up credit default insurance. Well, Bitcoin is exactly that. You don't fucking, excuse, excuse <laughs> me, you do not trade God your insurance. Damn it, you're swearing now. You do not trade podcast. your insurance, okay? Guys, lower your time preference. My challenge to all the listeners is own Bitcoin and try not to look at its price for as long as you can. I know it's hard and it's exciting because people love making money, but the worst thing you're ever going to do is look at the price and trade yourself out of it at $50,000 a Bitcoin. And in 20 years, it's trading where I think it could trade. Okay, that is going to be a very costly experience. Resist human emotion. And so, and you were saying something earlier about not checking the price because look, the last little while there's been a good run, for sure, mm -hmm. right? And and you said in 20 years, where do you think it's going to be? It's not going to be a straight line to get. For anyone watching it, this isn't going to be a straight line to get there. Like this little run is good. Do you actually know that? I know everything. No, you don't. No, you're right. Okay? I don't you know. Don't two bond no. traders, two bond traders, traders <laughs> going at that. it. This could get ugly. You actually you? do not know that. No, you're, you're correct. Okay. You're correct because I've seen your tweets talking about certainty with Peter Schiff. So I've seen your I've seen your okay. comments about being certain on stuff, and you're right. I don't know. Correct. I, I wanted to throw in another perspective for you. That that sort of complements what what Greg is saying. So I, I describe in the book, you know, Bitcoin is sort of insurance against fiat fallibility. Okay. Right. So you covered in in effect treating Bitcoin as insurance. The other side of that that I want to cover is treating Bitcoin as savings. I, I remember growing up, I read The Wealthy Barber when I was like 17 or 18. Yeah. My parents gave me that book. It's a fantastic book about financial planning, talking about the compounding interest effect of money. And, you know, putting aside whatever 10% of your paycheck every month and putting it into savings and letting it grow, right? And, and that was at a time where that made sense because you could actually get interest on your savings. Interest is, is gone in the world. We don't, we don't have interest anymore. We, so if you are going to save money, we know you can't save cash because that devalues. We know you can't save in bonds because as Craig was, as uh, Greg, pardon me, was explaining, those are, are going to be worthless or are worthless. You need to save money. And the point, the purpose of saving money is for the future. It, again, coming back to the wealthy barber, what he was explaining was if you put away X percent of your paycheck week over week, month over month, whatever it is, and let those savings compound over time, then in the future, it will be very, very valuable when the growth of those savings are compounding on top of each other. Bitcoin obviously does not earn interest but we have this very special number go up technology as we like to call in Bitcoin, where there is this, re this self-reinforcing mechanism where it is, a, it is a, both a flip side of what fiat is in the sense that its value is designed to go up over time. And I shouldn't say it's, yeah, I, I said it right. It's value. A lot of people talk about its price. I, I kind of don't like looking at price. I mean, I'm addicted to checking the price, but 
you don't want to think about it in terms of the price. I, I try to think about it in terms of the purchasing power of my money. Beautiful. If I put it aside, the purchasing power of my money can increase over time. This is a dynamic that has not existed in the world that, we, that we've ever known, right? The value of money has constantly decreased over time. Bitcoin is the opposite. It is designed to increase over time. So if you can put little fractions of coins away week over week, month over month, you are saving money that has, and again, it's not, I can't sit here and guarantee that it's going to go up, but I think the odds are pretty high that Bitcoin- It's math and code. Bit, it's it's okay? math and code. That, that Bitcoin is going to increase said, over time. Do not compete against an open source network. You're going to lose right. every time. Okay. Bitcoin is math and code. I like to say Bitcoin's math and code and it's equal to truth. Okay. You don't mess with that. Okay. So you mentioned though that the wealthy barber, the wealthy barber probably believes CPI was actually a non-manipulated calculation. Okay. If you look at CPI, uh, versus something called the Chapwood index, the Chapwood index actually measures true inflation versus CPI. CPI is running according to the government at like 2%. That's their target. The Chapwood index will tell you that true inflation is closer between 8 and 12% annually. And Michael Saylor will tell you, look at the growth rate of fiat at 15% annually. And that's really your inflation. Okay. That's your cost. If you hold money in the bank, it's being debased between 8 and 15% per year. You're not saving, you guys. <laughs> Don't fool yourself. You're not saving. You are losing your hard work to time in fiat, in fiat. So move to the Bitcoin standard. Move to a book about Bitcoin. Understand that Bitcoin will be the unit of account in the future. Energy will trade in Bitcoin. Bitcoin will be the reserve asset of the world. Why? because it's had a 12 year head start. And, and I know I don't want to wrap just yet because I, 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 I have to get this out. The open source of this, to your point, the value of it, when I w in my Oracle days, we would sell Oracle to Sun Microsystems a lot. And then there was this thing that came out called Linux. And Linux came Beautiful, out right? and everybody kind of looked around going, oh, this is nothing. This is actually a joke, this Linux thing. Where are you going to get support for it? Where are you going to, you know, how are you going to, how are you going to manage this thing? Who's going to do the updates to it? It just never went away. It never went away. And it never went away to the point where all these other Unix-based server companies began suffering in their valuations because they couldn't compete against this open source network. Correct. And then all these add-on companies, I think it was Red Hat was the first yep, one to yep. offer services uh -huh, onto uh -huh. it and really kind of made a profitable business on top of this open source thing. But when you say, and Jesse, to your point about the increasing value of it, you never want to compete against an open source project of some sort. And now that we have an open source financial monetary network system, I don't want to be the one competing against this freaking thing just from my own personal history. Yeah, you're going to have a hard time. <laughs> yeah, and then so so your point, and, and Jesse, I'm going to come to you in a second. The energy thing, in Canada, I think it was on Marty Ben's podcast, I heard a Canadian guy, I forget the name of the company. Stephen Barber, I would, uh, I, think I, it I think it would be Stephen I think Barber. It uh, might have been Stephen yeah. Barber, where, they have, where, where they're putting these rigs, which are mining, uh -huh. like, basically mini data centers, like 10 foot by yeah. 10 foot, like steel yeah, boxes yeah, yeah, with cubes with yeah. computers in mm -hmm. them. And they're sticking on these, these flares. I, I, I'm not educated in this industry. Yeah, a turbine, a turbine will power the, the, the electricity. To okay. And it's, it. what so is it? I'm is it natural it. gas? It's and you're doing, gas. I'm doing it. So they're doing it on, uh, on about 15 megawatt projects. 
We're doing it on 200 megawatt projects. Okay, and this is what I wanted to bring okay. up when it comes to energy because now if you're doing it, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you mentioned the company, I want you to mention the company, if you're doing it with, with this kind of stuff, and now Canada's pricing its energy, well, they'll want to see if Russia's doing something and what's the Russia's cost. Russia's already doing it. No, exactly. I know Russia's doing yep. it, but Russia will want to price it in Bitcoin as well because Correct. it's the only way yep. to compare the energy cost over there yes. to what's happening yeah. in China, to what's yeah. happening in Canada. So Correct. when we hear this Unit energy story, yeah. 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 It becomes this weird yeah. unit of account. Not weird. Not weird. But it's almost the death no. of the petrodollar system. Correct. And, Bingo. And, and, and how now, much more Bitcoin are you going to buy? I, I right? got to get off this. You got to understand. This isn't about moving percentages of your worth into Bitcoin. This is about a understanding that you need. Certainly, I think people realize they need to own more than zero. Now that number is not five to ten percent. It may get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, uh, bringing bringing something very uh, important out here, and before the environmentalists string me up and say everything, uh, Bitcoin does not waste energy. I need you to understand this again. Bitcoin does not waste energy. Bitcoin consumes energy waste. Okay, when you drill for oil in the Permian Basin, a byproduct of that is natural gas that they just flare into the atmosphere. Flare meaning literally burning it. Burning it. Flaring. You've seen the pictures. You've seen oil fields with things that are flaring. Well, that's the byproduct. It's If you can power a mining rig using that energy and create value from that waste, guys, come on. Haven't you, as an engineer again, I have never seen something so beautiful. You're, you're taking energy waste and environmental waste and turning it into something useful. If people could get that it would be a thing of beauty there's a canadian politician that does who pierre polivier i believe uh i i, I thought his name was polyneuve but i i think it's pierre polivier he is an mp from ottawa Carl, carlton MP, okay yeah. and uh we want him and pierre rochard the battle of the pierres not the battle but the 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 uh, the coming together the coming of together the- of the pierres um and i believe it sounds like a Canadian guy has done it. It's either Preston Pish or I uh, know he's not Canadian, but uh, it's either Jeff Booth or John Vallis has brought together the two Pierres. Did he? That's it. Is sounds he? like so, it. So, I'm not predicting I, it. I, I, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'd be dying to hear that conversation. Whether or not it's been the two Pierres, at least the Pierre, the MP is going to be on a podcast for Bitcoin. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. Is this why you think the future is bright for Canada? Um, so you, know, you said you want Canada to because, do something because special? again, what is a country is just, it has assets and liabilities. Well, the purest form of assets are, are natural resources, right? And Canada is blessed, whether it's hydropower. There's a lot of people that think hydropower, all Bitcoin mining will be powered by hydro. I don't believe that, but imagine if it was, who has the most hydropower in the world on a per capita basis, right? You know, uh, China has it, but it's six months of the year. When the Yangtze, you know, when the, the, the rainy season stops, all the Bitcoin miners move move off uh, to other places in the world. Um, Canada has an abundance of natural resources, whether it's hydro, uh, whether it's natural gas. You know that the oil sands are bigger than the Saudi Arabian reserves, right? Like, I mean, people just don't understand. Canada has more oil than Saudi Arabia. It just happens to be what they call dirty oil. 
Well, guess what? If it's really dirty, it's leaking into your rivers already. So don't overthink this again, guys. We have a chance to move Canada up on the scale. We're not going to be number one, but we can defend our number seven position and move up in the G7 nations. Like, that's what's exciting for Canada. Again, our population is only the size of California. Let's not pretend that we're going to become the United States, but let's understand that we could also materially benefit each one of our citizens to the point where, you know, it would be better being in Canada than it would be in California. Yeah. That's all absolutely. I'm saying. Jesse, when you, you know, when you use that map analogy going from, yeah, the, that was paper, beautiful. Yeah, going from the paper maps to the digital maps, you, we can't even sit here and guess at where this is headed because I would have never guessed that I could drop a little guy on a map, little icon avatar on a map and see some streets in Italy while I'm sitting here in Canada. So to think that we can sit here and guess where this is headed is rather silly. And then I just love when you put the math towards it, Greg, and, and you know, you turning Nick into a bond trader here and now having that whole discussion. <laughs> and then Jesse, when you break it out, like with all these kind of nice little segments and your book addresses all the different components of it so, so beautifully, like there's a lot of just cool stuff happening. And I feel almost, this is going to sound cheesy, but I feel proud to be like, a Canadian to be able to sit here and talk, you know, and I know Nick and I both feel like that with you, Greg, and get your opinion and Jesse to have you sitting here who took the time in 2019 to sit here and write a freaking book when nobody was caring about this stuff and Nick and I together dismissing it, like dismissing Bitcoin okay. at that time, thinking, you know what, we're not going to pay for our pizza or, or, you know, at the time, my, my whole beef with it was, hey, the government owes, I have to pay taxes as a business here. I'm not going to accept your Bitcoin because I thought it was just like this currency to make payments. I never had this idea that it was going to be a store of value. And when that light bulb moment went on for me, for me and Nick this March, we aggressively changed our tune. Yeah, the, the narrative that gets perpetuated if you're reading, you know, the mainstream media headlines can be confusing and misleading, right? There's kernels of truth buried in there, but to siphon through it and figure out, you know, fact to, to um, distinct fact from fiction is difficult. And again, that comes back to why I try, I tried to do all the legwork for you and just make it painfully clear what you need to pay, like where the noise is and where the signal is. And, and the cool thing is we've mostly focused on just the base layer. Okay. The store of value. We even talk about the lightning. We did. Okay. And, and this on. is so exciting. You guys, I will, I promise this is my last word. I like, I used to call Bitcoin digital energy. I like to call it programmable monetary energy now. When layer two and layer three solutions come to Bitcoin as a programmable monetary solution, guys, it's not surprising. It just surpassed the value of Facebook and Tesla. It's going to take up Apple shortly, and then it's going to get really exciting. Okay. When <laughs> and Bitcoin, then it's going to get really no, exciting. Guys, Sorry, again, no, you're right. No, you're look, right. I think that people need to understand that Bitcoin could go hundreds of times higher from here. Okay. Do not overthink this, Canada, please. Do not overthink this. Your Je kids Jesse, depend on it. Jesse has a line on page 125 of, of, of the book here. It's forward guidance is this page title. And it says, if Bitcoin replaces fiat as the world's monetary standard, it could bring unprecedented integrity to society. And I kind of love the fact that there's going to be this thing, because I think this business here at Rockstar is born on Nick and I believing that the monetary system has not been fair. The fact that I think our father could slave away putting up drywall in the 1980s and save money to one day give to his grandchild that will have no value 
and that his time in labor is completely obliterated at the system. And then to read your line here that there could be something being birthed here on top of all the energy and all the other beautiful things that just brings this integrity to society. It's powerful. Bitcoiners are some of the most optimistic people now. Why? The world is a very uh, uncertain place and, and quite scary for a lot of people, and rightly so. But Bitcoin and Bitcoin Twitter, uh, they've always been positive, even when the number didn't go up. These were a group of people, in my opinion, and I've only seen them for the last six odd months. I have never met a community like those guys. So I said I wasn't going to say anything. So sorry. Yeah, that's right. No, Bitcoin is this like fountainhead of ideas for pushing us forward. Maybe I should just leave it there. That was, um, yeah. yeah. there's really, yeah, you, you were talking before about, you can't really imagine what this will produce for us. I, I don't know what will the world will look like on a Bitcoin standard. I only very firmly believe that it will be a far better place. We, uh, we were going to give away some books, so thanks to Greg. We have 50 books here that are going to be, if you're, if you're coming by the office, I don't know how we're going to do this, but if you come by our office here in Oakville, we're out in Oakville, we will have Jesse's book. We'll have 50 copies, thanks to Greg, for, for doing that. So it's called Magic Internet Money, a, a book about Bitcoin. Jesse Berger is the author. You can also obviously get it on Amazon, um, but we'll have 50 copies here. So Greg, you did not have to do that. Thank it's you. It's my for, pleasure. I'm, I'm for, just going to figure you. out how I'm going to pay Jesse if I'm going to use worthless fiat or if I'm going to. Uh, yeah, yeah. If he's still accepting my, fiat, give him the. Uh, the anyway, but, but one of the other things I would say look, I am actually probably going to just out of principle transfer him some Bitcoin worth current day's fiat. But uh, if you've never experienced the technology of owning a, a wallet and uh, transferring uh, Bitcoin around the world, which I have given Bitcoin to people donated Bitcoin to people in Australia, donated Bitcoin to uh, core developers. It's a beautiful thing, ladies and gentlemen, when in 10 minutes you can send value over the internet and it settles around the world and you don't have to go to your bank and you know explain to them and give them your left. Uh, Feel you like you're what. a criminal. It's like at the end yeah. of the day, this is the most beautiful financial technology I've seen in 30 years. And coming back to what you said about Linux earlier, right? Like you have this open source system and oh, how's it gonna work? No, you know, it's just out there. No, who's gonna care? It works because the incentives are there. Same with Bitcoin. Devs work on Bitcoin, whether they're getting paid or not. Obviously we want to fund these people because they're doing God's work as far as I'm concerned. Um, but you wanna fund them and keep them going because they are helping make the world a better place. That is why they're doing what they're doing. They, they want Bitcoin to succeed because they have an understanding of how it is helpful, how it is useful. Um, and so, you know, I, I even put at the back of the book a link for or the the website for where you can go and contribute to to the yeah. Bitcoin devs. Um, but we, back, need, we need to support these people. And at the back of your book, there you all. I just want to call that out because you have great Twitter handles for everybody. Kind of not everybody in Canada, but a lot of great people in the Bitcoin community. Some of them are Canadian to follow. So the back of your book and the books that you recommend. So the back of your book alone is a great resource for anyone who's looking to kind of get started in this whole thing. The back of the book almost is just a great resource <laughs> to pick yeah, up absolutely. information. Absolutely. Hey, I don't know if you had a chance to mention Bitbo.io in there, but. This, this this is the coolest Bitcoin dashboard I've ever seen in my life. And it's two guys from Ottawa. Like, I didn't know, it, I didn't know that. Two guys from Ottawa. 
um, the Chris, Chris, Gimmer, Chris yeah, Gimmer, Chris Gimmer, and Mark Schwinnard. They they killed it with this oh, thing. I this is how oh, I didn't know. And we've helped Ever since them. you told us about it, we've been. I'll, using I'll, it. I'll, I'll show I you how to put it on your phone. Oh no, we because of Greg. No, we well, have actually, it. Now. It doesn't and work. So you need to show me because it works on my iPad and it works on my computer, but on my phone it's not the perfect app. But maybe it's. Uh, but here's the neat thing. It is the coolest free Bitcoin dashboard oh, got, I've ever seen yeah, in my life. It's got log charts now. Oh. You can compare it against. And these guys are open, and they love it. They're open to suggestions as how to improve it. And again, this is a bit of an open source yeah. development I, of a dashboard. Yeah, I'm a big made fan in Canada. Of, of them and their work. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. it, like huge. Amazing contribution. Bitbo.io. Bit, amazing contribution yeah. to the Amazing. Community. Jesse, we're going to ask for your contact information in a second here. Greg, did we, did we cover off the points you wanted to cover off? 100%. Yeah, there's going to be, we're going to have to bring both you guys back at, at some point. So on Twitter, Greg, you are at Foss, Greg Foss. On Twitter, we'll put links to the Twitter handles for all of this stuff on the show notes of this episode available at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast. Find this episode, and I don't know the episode number off the top of my head, um, but we will link to all of this stuff. And Jesse, if you could give out your contact information. For sure. So listeners can follow me at jberj, that's J-A-Y-B-E-R-J-A-Y on Twitter. Uh, you can go to my website, www.magicbitcoinbook.com. Uh, you can also find my book on Am Amazon. So again, the title is Magic Internet Money, a book about Bitcoin. My name is Jesse Berger, J-E-S-S-E-B-E-R-G-E-R. -E and if you've read the review, I mean, if you've read the book or have purchased the book, please leave a review because that, that helps a great deal. Awesome. Thanks to both of you guys. Totally appreciate it. And thank you very much to these two guys, right, Jesse? Yeah, I, cheers, I'm guys. so proud to be part of this, this group that's this uh, that's trying to uh, do something special. And, and the neat thing is Jeff Booth is has he been he's been to these offices? No, we've had him on Zoom, oh, but okay. we're going to grab a if drink comes, next time. If he's he in comes Toronto. in Oakville, you know, that and and we'll next set time that up in, actually. Or, we can or have a big I'm in Vancouver, but the neat thing is like there's some really 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 smart Canadian talent that is helping contribute to this community all right and uh, I'm proud to be part of it so thank you guys for uh, for doing it for my third time yeah and Jesse I wish you so much uh, success with your book because it's again uh, it's for the kids right like I think probably everyone in this room uh, has uh, developed a, a certain level of comfort in their lives that may not be there for our children and that's a scary thing for me you want to leave the world in a better place and the world for your kids. The, the financial return on my book will be minimal, but the personal satisfaction from writing the book is like through the roof. So, so that's so, that's so, well, look, I mean, and, and you never know because if your financial return gave, I, if I, your I, book rather gave you more conviction to add to your Bitcoin savings, it, it was a hundred percent worth then, it. So then, then you have to measure it that oh, way yeah. too, right? Like, uh, I, I'm happy to uh, contribute to, uh, the core devs. I'm happy to get people to read this book. If it's easier to read it, please do so. And uh, once again, thanks to uh, Nick and Tom for, uh, for a great platform and uh, all the listeners out there who have reached out to me because uh, the last three episodes, I tell you, it's, it's reinvigorated my uh, faith in, uh, in capital markets. It means that people care. And when people care, you find solutions. Very and you can re you're, anyone's welcome to reach out to me, whether it's on Twitter, or on my website, my email is on the website, so, or on LinkedIn. I'm, you know, I'm not hiding. You can find me. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Hey everyone, so hopefully you enjoyed that episode of the Your Life, Your Terms show. You can get Jesse Berger at his Twitter account, and they've both been really gracious saying you can reach out to them and ask them questions. His Twitter handle is at J-B-E-R-J, -E so that's at J-B-E-R-J, -E so J-A-Y-B-E-R-J-A-Y, -E and you can get...
Greg Foss at Foss Greg Foss. So that's at Foss, F-O-S-S, Greg, and then Foss again, F-O-S-S on Twitter. Follow both those guys, ask them questions, tell them you listen to them. Very thankful to have them on the Your Life, Your Term show. Love this kind of discussion. Love that we as Canadians are coming together to share this kind of information between us. We feel this is the time to be doing this. So we're pumped that we can do this kind of stuff. And if you want to get the Your Life, Your Terms app where you can get the podcast episodes, our Rockstar Minutes that we put out, access to different blog posts, and if you're a member, you can log in and get access to more stuff, all the member-related content that we put out there. More and more of that is going on the app. You can get that app at www.ylytapp.com. That's ylytapp.com. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms. <laughs>